So my name is Meredith, and I am on staff here with Chi Alpha. This is my fourth year, I think, which is crazy. And to be honest, if you had told me as a freshman that I'd be standing here talking to you tonight, I probably would have like laughed in your face. Um, I was like the most shy freshman ever, and I didn't like talking in front of people. It's still kind of nerve-wracking. Um, but yeah, I just like had no plans to do ministry full-time. But praise the Lord, like, he had other plans, and I'm here tonight, and I'm really excited to get to share with you. So some fun facts about me. Um, I went to Central all four years of college, uh, so that was great. I majored in recreation and tourism. Yep, me and Ethan, going strong. Uh, <laughs> that was a super fun major. Last summer, I got married to Brandon, who, yeah, it was, it's great. Uh, marriage is awesome. He's great. Uh, so highly recommend marriage. Uh, a couple other things about me is I love to create things. So I just, I love to be creative. It really doesn't matter, like, what I'm creating. I love writing, even, like, writing essays. Um, I love painting. I love cooking great meals and, like, creating food for people. Um, so I just, I love creating things. I even like, like, remodeling stuff. So, like, if any of you have been in the uh, upstairs bathroom at the Kyle House, I got to learn how to do, like, uh, drywall installation and, like, sink installation and did the toilet and all that stuff. So <laughs> I just, like, love creating things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dan was a big part of that, too. So, <clears throat> um, One funny thing that Brandon and I always joke about in our marriage is that we, like, have reverse stereotypical gender roles. Um, so he, like, is the one who's, like, actually way cleaner than me. Um, like, I'm actually pretty messy, and he's, like, very tidy, and he, like, does the laundry, and I'm the one who knows how to, like, work with power tools, so. <laughs> a funny thing happens when you get married. Uh, you start to notice things that you, like, didn't notice before. So one of the things that I've noticed since being married is that we all go through three distinct phases on social media, okay? Phase one uh, starts in high school and kind of goes through college. And it's the boyfriend-girlfriend stage. And this is the stage when you open your Instagram feed or your, like, your Facebook feed, and all the pictures are, so-and-so got into a relationship. And you're like, oh, look, there goes another one. <laughs> yeah, so that's phase one. Phase two, you can probably guess what it is. Everyone gets married. And you open your Facebook feed, and it's all these pictures like of girls going like that, right? <laughs> Of like, look, I got engaged. And then come the wedding pictures and so on and so forth. After that, you get into the stage which I'm currently in, which is the baby phase. Let me tell you, when I open up my Facebook, I swear every day someone else has a baby. And it's great because I open my Facebook and there's all these pictures of these adorable children. So a lot of my close friends now uh, actually have kids, which is really fun. Um, I don't have kids. I get to be fun anti mare It's great. And one thing I've noticed about my friends who have kids is that most of them don't expect a perfect um, performance from their one-year-olds, right? Like, they don't expect perfection from their one-year-olds. I hang out with uh, Melissa and Tony a lot, and their son, Tyler, who, if you haven't met Tyler, he's like the most adorable child in the whole world. I love him so much. Um, he's just starting to talk, though. And so he's saying, like, all these different words, and my favorite word that he says right now is noodle. Um, but when he says it, he doesn't quite say noodle. It's more like Lulo, and it's like really cute. So I actually have a video for you. I think it should work. Hey, so. Tyler, can you say noodle? Mama. Nope, that's Mama. 
Tyler, say noodle. Good job. Can you say it again? Tyler, say noodle. Yeah, so that's like my favorite, right? He's like, Willow, it is so stinking cute. Um, and when Melissa and Tony like hear him say that, they respond by being like, oh my gosh, you're the most adorable child in the world, because he is, right? Um, it's so stinking cute. Uh, yeah, and they give him all this praise and encouragement, and they're like, good job, Tyler, like, way to go. Way to like try talking. It'd be really weird if they responded with frustration, right? Like if they're like, oh my gosh, my child can't say noodle right. Like, that'd be so, like, strange. No loving parent is going to expect perfection from their kids. However, I've also noticed that my friends who are parents really do want their kids to listen to them and obey. And it brings them, like, so much joy when their kids hear their voice and obey their voice. You know, this is just because, like, it's obviously safer for the kid if they obey their parents, and it's, like, way more pleasant to be around a child for everyone else who obeys well. On the flip side, they often get really frustrated when their kids ignore them and disobey them. And I think that God is actually very similar to parents in this aspect. He doesn't need us uh, to be like these flawless, extremely talented people, but he does have a deep desire that we listen to him and obey his voice. So tonight we're going to be talking more about that by looking at the life of Abraham. But first I'm going to go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, um, God, I just thank you so much uh, that we can all be here tonight. God, I, thanks, uh, well, I thank you so much that like, I get the opportunity to um, speak. And Lord, I just pray that you would really speak to all of us tonight. That, yeah, just that you would speak through me, that my words would be your words. Um, prepare our hearts to listen, Lord. And um, yeah, I just pray that you'd speak to every single person here. Amen. All right. So I think that the story of Abraham, uh, Abraham's life is one of the most interesting stories in the Bible. But before we jump into that, I kind of want to back up and just explain how we get to our story tonight um, from our lesson from Taylor last week. So if you remember, Taylor um, gave us a great message about how the people of the world at this time really had like a skewed perspective. Instead of trying to obey God and subduing the earth, they actually did the opposite of that. You know, they, like, built this big tower called Babel um, to try and bring themselves glory instead of bringing glory to the Lord. They were way more focused on controlling their circumstances than bringing glory to God. So God ends up confusing their language, and because of that, they scatter to all different locations, right? So if you continue reading from there in chapter 11, after the Tower of Babel, you are going to read through the account of the family line of Shem. And Shem is actually Noah's son, so you'll read through his whole genealogy, and like, it's cool, it's a lot of names, but it shows that like a lot of years have gone by, and eventually you'll get to this guy named Terah, and Terah has three sons, one of whom is Abraham. So that's just a quick, like, that's how we get from last week to this week. Um, so now, if you guys want to open up your Bibles, we are going to read Genesis chapter 11, 31 to 12, 9, and I'm actually going to have Ethan Berkey stand up and read that really loud for us. So there's a lot happening in this story, right? Uh, let's start at the very beginning and really like figure out what's going on. If you look at verse 31 of chapter 11, it says that at this time, Abraham's family had settled in Haran. Okay, so that just means that they are home, right? Like this is Abraham's home. They're settled. It's where Abraham is comfortable. So I want you guys to do something with me really quick. 
I want everyone to please close your eyes right now. I want you guys to imagine that you are in the place that you are most comfortable and at home. Maybe for some of you, it's your parents' house. Maybe it's your dorm room. Maybe you love to be outside hiking and you really feel at home in nature. I want you to picture what that looks like right now. For me, I'm picturing my living room. Um, I'm curled up with a blanket on my couch and I'm watching Friends with Brandon and I'm drinking tea. It's great. So how do you guys feel? Are you relaxed? Okay, you can open your eyes now. So why did I have you do this? I had you do this because this is the place where we start this story. We start with Abraham at home, in the place that he is most comfortable in. You know, he's, uh, he's surrounded by extended family, his friends are there, his wife is there, he's got his daily routine, so he probably gets up and feeds the sheep or, I don't know, whatever he does. Um, he knows where he's getting his next meal, he's comfortable, and he's at home. Let me tell you guys, like, this is the place that I like to be. Uh, you might remember at winter camp, our speaker, Steffa, mentioned that she is the comfort queen. I have never related to a speaker so much than in that moment. I love to be comfortable. I love to be home. I love to be surrounded by my stuff and my people. Um, it's just it's what I like, you know? Um, I love my culture, and to be able to have my own routines, it's great. So I really relate with where Abraham is at the start of this story. Okay, so now we're going to jump over to chapter 12, verse 1. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So what is happening here? Abraham is just living his life, and he hears from God. And what God says is actually, like, really heavy. God says, Go from your country your people, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now the word go that is used here in Hebrew actually means to determinedly disassociate oneself. It means to determinedly disassociate oneself. So God is actually saying to Abraham, Abraham, not only do I want you to go, I want you to like disassociate yourself, with your country, your people, and your father's house. I want you to leave everything you know, everything that is familiar to you, everything that is comfortable to you, and I want you to go to the place that I'm going to show you. Wow. Like, if you're Abraham, like, what are you thinking right now? Imagine again that, like, you're in that comfortable place, like your home or your dorm room or your college, and God shows up and says this to you. You know, he says, Tyler, I want you to leave this country. Get out. Get out of America. Go. You know, Nathan, I want you to get out of this country uh, right now. I want you to leave everything that is familiar to you. Ethan, I want you to leave your family. How would you guys react? How would you feel? You know, for me, I would really hope that I'd say, like, okay, God, like, let's go. Like, let's do this. But you know, I don't know if I would. I think it would be really tempting to be like, you know, God, like, I hear you, but this, like, isn't convenient for me and for my life right now. I like where I live. I like my family. And I don't really want to go. 
You know, what's even crazier to me is that God didn't tell Abraham where he was going. Okay, so he's, like, already asking him to do, like, this really hard thing. Um, and then, like, on top of that, he says, you know, go to the place I'm going to show you. If you guys look at Hebrews 11:8, it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Like, that is crazy. And if I'm being honest, like, this is a part of sto- the story that really makes me uncomfortable. Uh, like I said, I love comfort, and I think a big part of love and comfort for me is being in control of my life. You know, I'm the person who has every single day planned. I've got my weekends planned out. I have the summer planned already, pretty much. Um, I've got the next five years planned out. And heaven forbid anyone try and change my plans. Like, that is, like, one of the most stressful things to me. Anyone else out there, like, relate to that? Anyone else planners? Yeah, a few people. So I think it's a really human thing to want to be in control. But when we refuse to give that control over to God, what we're really saying is that, God, I trust myself more than I trust you. In this story, God is asking Abraham to step out and trust, relinquish his control over his life, and allow God to lead him wherever God sees fit. So what are your plans after college? What are your plans for this week, for that matter? How comfortable are you guys in those plans? Have you asked God what direction he wants you to lead, uh, what direction he wants to lead you in? You know, I often find myself saying, like, God, I'm going to follow you if. You know, I'm going to follow you if it's comfortable for me. I'm going to follow you if it's convenient for my life plan right now. I'm going to follow you if it's good timing. But you guys, like, God wants all of us. He wants access to every single part of our lives, and he calls us to step out in obedience, complete obedience, leave our comfort, and follow him no matter what that entails, and even if we don't know exactly where he's leading us. So are you willing to answer God's call, even when it isn't comfortable or convenient? So how did Abraham react? Uh, If you look at verse 4, it says, So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him. He went. Like, this is astounding to me, right? He literally picks up his whole entire life and just goes where God is telling him to go. You know, often, uh, as I've read this passage and been studying this passage, I have asked myself, why did God choose Abraham, of all people, to be such an important person in our faith? He honestly, like, wasn't that great of a person. Um, He gets into, like, a lot of sketchy situations. In fact, if you keep reading uh, into the next chapter, it talks about how Abraham's uh, traveling through Egypt, and he's traveling with his wife, who it tells us is like a very beautiful person, Um, and as he's getting ready to go through Egypt, he's like, gosh, if I like go with my wife, and they know she's my wife, they're going to kill me to get to her. So what does Abraham do? He literally uh, is like, okay, Sarah, you're going to pretend to be my sister for a little bit, so that way they can just have you, and then I won't get killed. Right? Like, that's awful. Um, so he's definitely not, like, a perfect person at all. Um, but I think that the reason God chose Abraham was not at all because he was a perfect person, 
but because he was an obedient person. He actively chose to obey the Lord, even when it was hard and required a sacrifice. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, and he says this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So Paul is saying that God doesn't choose people who are the best and the brightest. You know, you don't have to have a perfect resume to follow God. He knows that all of us have weaknesses and have made mistakes. And the amazing thing is that God wants to take our weaknesses and use them for his glory. How exciting is that, right? God is the one who made Abraham worthy. All Abraham did was say yes to God, and God worked through him. Okay, so let's recap a little bit. At the beginning of the story, we had uh, Abraham was at home, and he was comfortable. Then God calls Abraham to go, and Abraham obeys. So that kind of leaves us with the question, like, what next? You know, why did God ask him to go? Let's look at verses 2 and 3. They say, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So God says he's going to bless Abraham, right? Now as Americans, and I think especially as Christian Americans, uh, a lot of things like start coming to my mind. Honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, hashtag bless. Um, and I kind of picture like the Instagram photo of like the Bible with like the coffee and like the sun streaming through it, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so blessed. Um, maybe other things come to your mind. Uh, another thing that I thought of was like having a lot of money or possessions. I think uh, I use it as like, oh, God blessed us with great weather. Woo! So it almost sounds like from this verse that God is saying he's going to give Abraham a great, easy life, right? Because when we look at scripture, it is really important to look at the whole of scripture and to look at the context. And we know from other passages in the Bible that God cannot be saying this. If you look uh, at the beginning of James 1, it talks a lot about how we should expect trials and challenges in our lives, and that actually we should be, like, grateful for those things. And so it clearly does not mean that God is going to bless Abraham by giving him a perfect life. There has to be a different point to this passage. Really, this is actually one of the most missional statements in the entire Bible. The point that he's trying to make is that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. We're blessed to be a blessing to others. And like the greatest blessing of all, the greatest privilege of all, is getting to know and have a relationship with the living God, right? 
So what's really happening here is God saying, yes, I'm going to provide for you. Yes, I want to have a relationship with you. But Abraham, you need to go and bless others through representing me to those who do not know me. The focus is not at all on what Abraham gets. Um, It's on Abraham going and representing God where he is not known. Abraham is blessed in order that he may bless others. He's called to leave what's comfortable so others may know and have a relationship with God. Are we willing to put aside our comfort to show others Jesus? You guys remember the verse that we've been talking about every week? Uh, Genesis one twenty six to 27. Sound familiar? Head nods. Yes. We're awake. Good. <coughs> uh, yeah, so it says that God created mankind in his image. And we've been using the terminology a lot of like we're created to image God, right? We're created to image God. So actually, this is not a new command that God is giving to Abraham at all. He's literally telling him, Abraham, go image me to those nations who don't know me. Isn't that cool? Like, there's a theme throughout all of Genesis. Okay, so how is Abraham a blessing? How are we a blessing? Well, Abraham is not a blessing because he is a great, talented person. It's not by being the smartest or the best or the funniest. We are a blessing to others. We image God to others by surrendering to him in obedience and allowing God to work through us. God called Abraham to go, and Abraham obeyed him. He lived a life of continual obedience to the Lord, and his heart was surrendered to God. When we are willing to get outside of our comfort zone and ask God where he is leading us and what he wants us to do, God's going to powerfully work through us to show others him. Um, When I was a senior in college, I started to feel like maybe God wanted wanted me to do the internship. And like I said at the beginning of this message, ministry was like nowhere on my mind, right? I was going to graduate. I was going to go work for like the hospitality industry because I love hotels and traveling and stuff. Um, ministry was just not on my mind at all. And so all these people kept coming up to me, and they were like, Meredith, you should do the internship. You should do the Calpa internship. You should do the internship. And I'm like, okay, fine. I get the idea. <laughs> um, but I finally like started praying about it and actually thinking about it and decided that, yeah, that was like something that God wanted me to do. So from there, the question became, okay, like where do I go? And I ended up settling on the University of Virginia internship uh, in Virginia, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, and for those of you who don't know anything about un- the University of Virginia, it's like the most opposite school possible from Central. I didn't know this at the time, but I found it out very quickly. Um, so if you apply to un- the University of Virginia, your average GPA is 4.0. And I met a lot of people who had like 4.5 GPAs. I don't really know how they did that, but like it was a real thing. Also, uh, they're all super, like, athletic. I don't know why, but they're really athletic. And most of them are really good musicians as well. And they're all really good-looking people. Like, they had a good gene pool going or something. I have no idea. But (laughs) they're all, like, super attractive. So here I go, off to the other side of the country. And I'm coming from Central. You know, I love Central, but I don't consider myself, like, the most, like, brilliant person in the world, right? And I'm like, what in the world are you asking me to do, God? Like, out of all the places, like, why here? 
you guys, that year was hard. It was probably one of the hardest years of my life, to be honest. Um, it took me a good six months to even like get adjusted to the culture there. And I remember so many times I'd call Melissa on the phone, like in tears, and I'd be like, "What am I doing here? Like, God can't use me at all. These people know like way more than me." But looking back, I realized that like God did so much through me that year and in me. Um, I was able to reach out to an international student named Lexi and introduce her to the gospel. I was able to mentor girls who are now in full-time ministry. Because I was willing to obey, God used my weakness to work through me. That was one of the hardest and most uncomfortable things that I've ever done in my life. But God was able to use me more than I could have imagined through that experience. So tonight, I want to ask you, how is God calling you out of your comfort zone? Is he asking you to share more in core and to speak up? Maybe he wants you to invite your classmate to Chi Alpha or tell them about Jesus. You know, that can be risky. Maybe you are getting ready to graduate or you're a junior or a senior, and maybe right now he's poking you to think about doing the Chi Alpha internship or give a year. How is God calling you to obey him right now? So to wrap up, uh, I want to go ahead and ask the worship team to come on up right now. And I want the rest of you to take the next few minutes um, and actually pull out your journal. Or if you don't have a journal, um, grab your phone. That works too. And I want us to spend uh, the next couple minutes just journaling a response to these two questions. Okay, question one. Where are you holding on to comfort instead of obeying God? Where are you holding on to comfort instead of obeying God? And two, who in your life needs you to represent God to them? Who in your life needs you to represent God to them? Okay, so go ahead and write those down. Um, the worship team's going to come up, and uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then when I'm done praying, just go ahead and spend the next few minutes journaling a response to those questions. And um, I'd really encourage you, like, Ask God about those, too. Like, don't just journal by yourself. Like, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and um, I bet he will. Come and go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, um, I just want to thank you so much, Lord, um, for your word tonight. God, I want to thank you um, that you can use us in our weakness, Jesus. I want to thank you that we don't have to be um, perfect people to serve you, God, and um, yeah, Lord, I just pray that like you would use all of us. I pray that you would mold our hearts to be obedient to you. Um, yeah, and I just ask God that you would really um, speak to us in this time of reflection. Amen. <laughs>